pursuit of happiness, leaving your past in the past. All of us have had some circumstance of our past that's hurt us, in our past that we've hurt others, situations that we can look at, and there are a plethora of those uh, things that we look back in our past. Maybe going through a divorce, and it was a, a bad, 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 mean, and nasty situation. And maybe you're still carrying some of that challenge with you. Uh, maybe it's a result of uh, parent, parents and uh, one of your children, they're older, of course, uh, tells you all the things you did bad as a parent. They're just numerous things. Maybe you've had your heart broken. I mean, really broken badly, and it's been difficult for you. And we know that our text is out of the book of Philippians. It's called the book of joy. That if all you're doing in life is seeking happiness, you're probably never going to reach that level where you're really, really happy. But in your life, if you seek purpose and you seek meaning, you find things that you fulfill a purpose. You find things that are meaningful to you. You know what happens most of the time? Happiness is going to come right in line. And you're going to say, boy, howdy. I, I didn't realize how good that would feel to be able to do something for someone else or fulfill a purpose in my life. We know that some people say, well, if the right circumstances, I'd be happy. The right job, the right spouse, I'd be happy. Well, live with it. We have a moral obligation to one another and to the church and to the Lord Jesus Christ, in my opinion, to say, you know what, if I'm going to be an espousing Christian, I, w- I want to be a joyful person. I want to be happy. I don't want to have my past drag me down to the degree that, that people, when they ask about me, so that's one of the most miserable people. I, well, I thought they were a Christian. Well, well, they are, but they just had a tough life. Let me encourage you. You have the power and the potential through Christ Jesus to move through that. Paul, if anybody had a gripe and a reason to murmur, it ought to be Paul writing from a prison there in Philippi and, and still creates a book anointed by God to be a book called the book of joy. We've learned that one of the great predictors of joy is how you interact with one another. We realize that, hey, if you're happy and you're a joyful person, you like people, you like to fellowship with people, you enjoy corporate worship, you enjoy hanging with people. I had a friend of mine who's a minister and been a minister for a long time. He said, my job would really be good if I didn't have to put up with the people. Well, what in the world do you think you're doing? If I'd have been thinking on my feet, I would have told him, you need to get out of ministry because it's all about people. Amen? Not about a profession. It's about people. We enjoy people. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? I kind of like you. It's all right. I kinda, even if it's your spouse, go ahead and say it. I, I kind of like you. Some of you didn't move. You don't like anybody. You're mad at the world, aren't you? We got your number this morning. Listen up. This message is for you. Amen? We're never going to reach our potential if we always let the past or something that happened yesterday deal with us. So what are we supposed to do? The psalmist sneaks into our cranium and our thought life. And the vibes of this scripture excite us because it's admonition from God himself. And here's what he says in Psalms 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him 
with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and the lyre, praise him with the tambourine and dancing, praise him with the strings and the flute, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let, let's all read that together. Here we go on three. One, two, three. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Why don't we say it again? Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How can you live in misery? How can you let yesterday, last month, last year, last decade trap you that you cannot enact this Scripture in your life? We all have reason, and we've all been bruised, and we've all been beat up. We've all had people to knife us in the back. We've all had individuals that didn't believe it our way, and they told we've done our best, and individuals still turn their back on you. We know that. But today, there's good news. We're going to learn how to get beyond that, put it in its place, and we're not going to let the past have the power to control our here and now. Amen. We're not going to do that. Amen. We're not going to let it have the power to control our here and now. And if we look inside, all of us can say, boy, I remember when. I remember what was said. I understand that big issue that might be there. But you know what? Some people, far too many people, they just lug that, drag it with them wherever they go. They drag it with them and drag it with them and wherever they go and it controls them. And may I suggest to you that it is a hazard to you physically, mentally, and emotionally when you continually drag those things around with you. And so the question is, how much, how much do you want the bad things that happened to you yesterday or in the past to depress your spirit and your attitude going forward for God. You cannot reach your godly potential just dragging that thing. Well, you don't know how bad I was hurt. That's right. I don't. And the farther you get away from it, the less people that care. They don't want to hear your story again and again and again. You know what they're looking for? If you're a bona fide believer, certified by the power of the Holy Spirit, you ought to be praising the Lord. Amen? Ought to be something in you that resonates with a little praise, with a little worship that says, I know what happened to me. I've got the scars to prove it. But here's what I do know. I'm blessed and covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I choose the way that I'm going to behave. You don't understand. Nobody understands. No one and you don't understand when you discount the grace and the power of God's redemptive presence in your life, there's no way you ought to be hanging on to yesterday. Somebody say amen. Do you really want the people who hurt you in the past to continue to poison your mind? while you're They control you. That situation controls you whether you admit it or not. Do you really want your future life to be about the great things that happened yesterday that hurt you, or you're looking forward to great things that will happen in your life tomorrow. The truth is, we will never have that life. We will never have that life. We will never have that life if we keep giving ourselves permission through the power of excuse. Put that on Facebook. through the power of excuse to get beyond that which happened to you a while ago. 
You won't do it as long as you give yourself permission to continue to give the excuse. So how do you deal with that? You put the past where it belongs. And the Apostle Paul showed up in Philippians today in his writings, and he has given us the information we need to know where it goes. You can't navigate you can't navigate the future strongly with advancement in an aggressive way, dragging it behind. Fred got home from golf late. He was supposed to be home about 1 o'clock. His little wife said, Fred, why are you so late? You're about two hours later than usual. Did you play, you know, 36 holes or something? Or you played the 18? No, I played 18 holes. He said, but I am so worn out and tired. She said, well, what happened? He said, you know, Harry's my partner. He said, God bless Harry. She said, what happened? said, Harry, on the 10th tee, on the 10th hole in the golf course, Harry walked out, he teed up, he bent over, stepped up, and Harry fell dead with a heart attack. I mean, I tried to resuscitate him and revive him. It did not work. She says, well, what happened then? He said, you know what? I, <laughs> I had eight more holes I had to play. So he said, I would tee up and hit the ball and take Harry and drag him with me. <laughs> then I teed up and hit the ball and took Harry and drug, drug him along with me. And he said, that's what took so long. You might say, that is so gross. But can I tell you something? That's what happens to a person who's a bona fide believer in Jesus Christ, covered in the blood of the Lord, have the forgiveness of the redemption of the Holy Spirit, and we drag yesterday with us. God says, leave it where it is, bury it where it belongs, and pick up your feet and follow after the Lord Jesus Christ with a happy life. How wonderful is that? How beautiful is that? You see, we want to love the Lord Jesus Christ and not hang on to yesterday. So Paul writes to us in Philippians, the third chapter, verse number 12. Remember, he's in prison there in Philippi and he's writing. And here we go. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, talking to you, me, I do not consider myself yet to be taken hold of it, but one thing I do, here's my made up my mind, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul says, there is my past, that's what's behind me, then there is my goal, and that's what lies before me. That is a great statement that Paul is giving us words of encouragement. You see, God desires for us to lead going forward in the relationships that we have with him. Here's what he simply said. Paul simply said, I refuse to allow what's back there to interfere with my pursuit of what's in front of me. That's just the way it is. Can I tell you, you're not the only one that's hurt. I want to be sensitive because some of you are hurting so badly. It is really deep. It's real. And you know why it's still so real? Is you focus on that pain and that hurt. And that happened a long time ago. Let me encourage you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. And there is joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. If you allow God to come in and liberate you from that challenge. Amen. Liberate you. Help you. But it's not just God. You have to decide. 
You have to be the one that steps to the plate. You see, there's one thing he says. I choose the power of God, not the power of the past, is going to guide my life for today and tomorrow. The Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you and those of you online, thousands of you watching online right now. God will speak to you, and if you'll listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you know, God will give you divine intervention and, in fact, deliverance. I read the story of one particular woman, and I've counseled with many individuals just like her. She was raised in a family where there was substance abuse, a family of physical abuse, a family of incest, a family of alcohol, a family where she was condemned. She said, I was insecure. I was not confident. I didn't believe I looked good. I didn't think I was smart enough. She said, I want you to know that in my life it was one day or one night, late night, dad coming in drunk, my mom and dad fussing and cursing, and my brother smoking weed in the house. Everything or anything was okay. Individuals would come in for times of sexual activity in my house. She said, and that's how I was raised, abused because of that, not once, but it was a regular occurrence. But she said, somebody invited me to church. Let me say that again. Somebody invited me to church for the third time. Somebody invited me to church. And in that church service, she said, I felt something that I had never felt before. I couldn't even look up and greet people and look them in the eye. But when that pastor gave that altar call, I knew something was pulling me down toward that altar. I I walked down that aisle and got to that altar and what I felt took all my burden, all my abuse, all my things that had weighted me down, took them away. And for the first time, they explained to me, that's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Redemption is greater than the past of abuse. And she said, today, I am a new woman. I'm a new person. I am a new creature in Christ because I asked God to write the chapters at the end of my life when he wasn't there at the beginning of my life. She said, here's something else that happened. When I left that church that day, I no sooner than got on the outside. I knew where I had to go, and it was home, back into that same cesspool. And she said, I became afraid. She said, I didn't know what it was right then, but I know what it is now. The voice of the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I have redeemed you. Amen. You might go back into the same environment, but you are not the same person. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. If you'll stand up for what I've done for you today, if you will remember what's happened to you down at the altar, I will guide you and protect you. She said, every single day after that, I made up my mind, and then I made up my mind again, 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 and before you know it, it got a little easier making my mind up, and when I Cross one line of victory, I thought, well, I'm really going to make my mind up now. I'm really going to stand for it now. And she said, I can tell you today, it took me a while, but I had a made up mind. And with a made up mind, the anointing of God's Holy Spirit has come down into my life. And I no longer look at what happened to me in the past as my enemy. I look at it as God's grace in my life, giving me an opportunity. Let me tell you about my past. And I give the glory and the honor, but it's not that way anymore. Jesus Christ has come in. You can make it if you make your mind up and lean not to your own understanding, but stand firm in the grace of God. She said, that is my testimony today. You believe it? What's the fact? 
You get to choose. You get to choose. You just get to choose. My Lord, have mercy. You get to choose. You see, we're not victims when you've been redeemed by the grace of God. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We're no longer living in that filth that's there. We have royal blood flowing in our veins. We have the cleansing of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that puts his arms around us and say no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You're my child. I'm lifting you up. You're in the palm of my hand. Hallelujah. But you got to choose. You got to put back there. I got a lot of stories. I, tell, I got a lot of stories. Maybe one service ought to just tell my stories, but it ain't worth telling. Amen. Uh, how many has ever been knifed in the back? May I see your hand? How many deserved it when it happened? Nah. How many have ever been talked about behind your back? Amen. How many have been talked about in front of your face? Amen. How many have ever been ignored? Amen. How many has ever had people be rude to you? Amen. How many people snub-nosed you and walked away when you came into the room? Come on. I'm about to get started here. We all know how that feels like. And it may happen again and again and again. But when you're redeemed, you're not afraid of it anymore. Because you said... Hallelujah. That may be true and it might happen again and again, but that is not taken from me. The joy of the Lord that God has gifted into my spirit. I know now to say, devil, you get behind me. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I've got a made up mind that nothing is coming against me, nor life, nor death, nothing, nor height, no matter what it is. I'm on my way. I'm preaching to you this morning. This is not a good little teaching. This is flat out preaching. It's true. There's more. Paul said, I'm not going to be chained. You see, Paul uses the word forget, forgetting those things. When he uses that word, he's not talking about erase the memory. We know that, say, if you're going to try to deny what happened, it's in your mind, it's probably going to stick around a while. But you see, the beautiful part about it is it's redeemed now. He may not erase it, and he does, though, do that. But you can look at that past, and there's the covering of the blood that's over it. You know, he doesn't try to hide what happened to the people of Israel in Egypt. He just stamps a stamp over it now and said, redeemed. Hallelujah. Understand that? We look at the cross. We look at the cross. He doesn't hide what happened on the cross of Calvary. He just stamps a stamp over the top of it and said, redeem now. Amen. That cross is empty. He's not there. But he says he redeems it. I don't reflect on that past, but I learn from it. And if you have a past that's been troubled and you're not learning anything, let me tell you there is something that is wrong. I had a lady in her mid-30s. How many remember the mid-30s? May I see your hands? A sweet time, sweet time. I still remember it as only it were yesterday. She said, I had a, li- a man in my life one time. Mid-30s, well, that may be normal. I had a man in my life at one point, and I expected him to meet all my needs and to make me happy. 
He didn't. He left me. And let me say to you ladies, ain't no man. I'm going to go to yard talk. Ain't no man going to make you happy. Ain't no man big enough to meet all your needs. Ain't no man in shoe leather. Ain't no man can give you what you really need except Jesus Christ. So if you're dependent on him to make you happy, you're dependent on him to meet your needs, you're dependent on him to give you security, he ain't born yet. That's right. You're not born yet. She went on. She said, now I'm alone. I'm miserable. I'm bitter. I'm filled with resentment. Every day I wake up and I'm reminded of how empty my life is. I'm mad at him. I'm mad at men in general. I'm mad at God for thinking up men in the first place. And my life is a joyless black hole of unmet emotional needs. I thought I wouldn't, if I had a male enemy that was looking for a woman, I would not encourage him to even take her down to McDonald's. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Amen. And here's the clincher. And I fought a lot of emotions here. (laughs) I mean, one of those emotions, you know what? You need to move to North Alaska with all the big bears. I said, what do you want? Well, pastor, I really would like another man. I thought, I thought, help me, Jesus. You want, after all that, you want another man? You want another man? How many have somebody you know that you'd like to see date her? May I see your hand? <laughs> Not one person. I want another man. Why do you want another man? I'm looking for security. I'm, I'm, looking, for, I'm looking for life. I'm looking for happiness. And then I said to her, there is no way you're going to find happy. There's no way you're going to find fulfilled needs until you take a look at who you are. You've gone through cycle after cycle after cycle. And until you look at you from the inside out, your life will be the same thing now and same thing 10 years from now. Wake up, child. She has not come back to visit me. How sad is that? You learn from your past. But here's what she was doing and far too many other people do. This is a bit strong. It's Proverbs 26, verse number 11. So that's what it looks like. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat his folly. How do you spin out of a dog returning back to its vomit? Paul gives us the answer. You say, that's kind of graphic, isn't it? I didn't write it. It's in the Bible. But why does he put things that bring you to attention? God wants to grab your attention and said, that's exactly what you do when you go back to yesterday's hurt. Whatever things are good, pure, just, honest, of good report, not whatever things are nasty, ugly, that, will, that are abominable, don't go back to that. He says that creates the design for your future. You have control to spin out of that cycle of pain and not being a hostage of yesterday. Forget 
I refuse to permit what happened yesterday to keep me from pursuing my spiritual growth. I want my past to inform me and not destroy me. I want it to educate me and not devastate me. We know that when bad things happen to us, difficult things in our past, it creates an opportunity for bitterness, for resentment, for hatred, for all kinds of things. And if we're not careful, we give those things permission to live in us because the hurt that we have experienced deserves some kind of consolation. So here's how you deal with that. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Search me, O God. See if there be any offensive way in me. You take a look at it and you say, God, look into my heart. Look into my heart, which is the greater sin. An individual allowing bitterness and rudeness and resentment and hatred to reside in them or the person who created the pain for you. What you do when you let that reside, you give them greater authority. You give that past you'd like to get rid of, you say you'd like to get rid of, a greater foothold in your life. So you deal with that. You say, no more will that have a place in my life. And how do you hurt God? How do you hurt God when he's been so good to you to give those emotions permission to reside in the heart that you say he has redeemed? He has. He's redeemed. It's up to you as an individual. Every day we need to repent. I need to repent. Say that with me. I need to repent. Say it again. I need to repent every day. I repent every day. I know, Lord, you redeemed me. You saved me. I love you. But I just want you to know I'm sorry today because I'm not perfect. And I'm going to repent of all the things that I've done. Lord, I may not remember or know them all. But I don't want them in my subconscious. I don't want them in my conscience. I don't want them in my mind or in my spirit. You see, I want to be the one who freely confesses when I've been hurt and not let it be held against somebody. I want to be the one that's not rude. I want to be the one that has a pure heart. I want to be the one that I don't cross the street when I see. You've heard me say it many, many times. Just treat the person the same way before the offense occurred. You treat them the same way with the same love. Well, I ain't going to be no hypocrite. I ain't going to be no hypocrite. You know what? Sometimes it, you have to work at having good feelings. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. How many have ever, here, here's the deal. Let me give you a little example. It's a little gross, but maybe you won't. It's typical. Timmy. I mean, Pastor Tim. <laughs> when he uh, was... I'll pick an age. When he's seven or eight years of age, Sharon cooked a great dinner. And um, she had green beans there, snap green beans. But she also had, you know, a smothered fried steak, cube steak. She had mashed potatoes and gravy and hot rolls. She had carrots. She had a nice salad. 
with all the things that go with a garden salad. She had a nice big piece of apple pie out there. She, uh, she um, just, to make you want to get church over where you can go get some of that. But <laughs> she had green beans. Timmy said, I don't want it. Well, being a young father back then, younger than what I am now. Yeah, your mama fixed those green beans, son. You're going to eat them. You know, I mean, has anybody ever done that? It's not like today, you know, oh, they don't like it. They don't have to eat it. No, my wife fixed it. it I had to work hard to put those beans on that plate. We're not going to throw them away because we don't have any dogs or cats and we don't have any neighbors that are starving. Son, eat the beans. Eat them. I don't want them, Daddy. Oh, yeah, you're going to eat them. Now, I know you think I'm the worst father in the world, but that's okay. I'm not going to let that hurt get to me. Always tolerate who, those who disagree with you because they have a perfect right to their ridiculous opinion. That's how I live. <laughs> he ate them. I said, that's good. I turned my back just in time for Tim to get up. And when he turned away from that table, those beans chewed up, ground up, hit the wall. I said, Sharon, you're going to have to clean him up. <laughs> now, do you know what? He didn't have to eat green beans after that. I learned from that deal. Have you ever had something that make you sick? You said it made me sick, and guess what? You don't eat it for a long, long, long time. You said, that's what made me sick. I'm not touching it. Often in life, as we understand in our life, that we look at situations that hit us, and we say, God, that hurt. That hurt. I said, always tolerate those who, who may have offended you. Treat them the same way. In other words, there are times that you have to say, but in my heart of hearts, I want to do the right thing. And sometimes you will the act to do the right thing before your emotions gives you permission to do it. Because your conscience and your spirit is led by the book. That's not hypocritical. It's you being a giant in the faith. Being a giant in the faith. God desires that we lay our guilt and our resentment and our sin at the foot of the cross and let him manage it. To whom much given, much is required. How much forgiveness do I need in a day's time? If I'm being critically observant of myself, God, how much forgiveness do I need every day? And I'm critically going to take a look at that. Here's what will happen. If you take a critical look of how much you need forgiveness, you're going to find out you needed a whole lot more forgiveness than you thought you did because you're really looking at it. I need forgiveness for that, 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 and that. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. 
Here's another one, regret. You got to forgive, but then you live in regret. Regret, all, regret always involves a certain perspective, a certain evaluation of our circumstances. Re, regret is like an event or a situation that is disappointment because it comes in contrast with what might have happened. For example, if only I'd gone to that school, I would have had a better education. And got, if I had only gotten that job, if I'd only gotten that woman, how many of you, gentlemen, have a woman in your past before you met your wife that you now regret that should have been the woman for you? Raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's what you call paying attention right there, buddy. You'd have been asleep and raised your hand. I'd have come right back there where you're at. Amen. How many are grateful for the woman you got now? May I see your hand? No regrets. Hallelujah. And I'll not ask the little ladies how they feel about that. Regret. We contrast that with something that might have been in our imagination. Well, if I'd have, you know, you know this story. A university did a little study on the winners of the Olympics. There's the gold medal, there's the silver medal, and there is the bronze. In the study, here's what they found out, that gold medalists are the happiest when they win gold. They're the happiest. They found that that bronze medalist are happy. But silver medalists are those individuals that are not as happy. And you ask, why? The bronze medalist is happy because they say, wow, I almost didn't get a medal at all. I want you to know by the skin of my teeth, I placed and I got a bronze medal. Thank God for this bronze medal. I could have been without a medal and I've got one. The gold medalist thinks, wow, I won, buddy. It all paid off. The silver medalist said, you know what? He beat me by one-tenth of a second. If I'd have worked harder, if I'd have trained harder, if I'd have put forth a little more effort, if I'd have gotten up earlier and just worked out as much as I could, if I'd have just done a little bit more, a little bit more, I would have gotten the gold. I regret I didn't work harder. That's the silver medalist. That's what they found in the process. Let me tell you who you are, whether you behave like it or not. You are a gold medal winner. Amen. Your streets, your streets are paved with gold where you're headed, my friend. Ain't no losers in the family of God. We're all winners through the power of Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you, let's act like winners instead of losers. What do you say? That's what we're going to do. Paul writes in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in all things. What Paul's saying I know I have a brilliant mind. I know that I've been redeemed. I had a salvation experience that's going to be talked about for eons. 
I didn't realize how valuable I was until one day on a dusty road, the supreme ruler of the universe reached down and redeemed me. He took my precious asset, that's my eyesight, and let me know without him just how blind I was. Paul was not technically blind. He was blind that he couldn't see anything in front of his face. He said, so I've come to the conclusion that I can hope and hope and hope in things in the here and now. I can hope for an opportunity to get before Caesar. And little did he realize that he would have prison guards that would be chained to him and that he would minister to them and they would give their lives to Jesus and that message would go into the throne of Caesar. That's how he got there to begin with. Paul said, I'm not hoping in anything else. I'm putting everything that I have, everything, on this one thing. Everything works together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. So I don't have any regrets. I don't have any memory of the past that's going to adversely hinder me. I don't have anything I need to ask forgiveness over. I'm free because I choose to be free in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And he will say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Don't you want to live free? Don't you want to live happy? Don't you want to be happy? I can tell you it can be that way for you. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you now for all that you've done for us. We cannot get enough of you. We love to laugh. We love to enjoy. And then we drive the message home. But Lord, we we know this word is not going to get away from us. Some today are lugging behind them something that happened that they have given themselves permission to continue to hang on. And they've given themselves permission that at a certain event or circumstance that it can rise up. Or at a certain place it can rise up. Or a certain person comes in and it can rise up, Lord. The dead cannot rise unless it's been redeemed by the grace of God. If we bury the past, it has in Jesus' name no authority over us. No matter who shows up, no matter what we attend, no matter who we meet, we still have the authority to say in Jesus' name, that was yesterday. And that situation and that person will have no control over me. They will not live between my ears. That will not live in my heart. I need you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here and you're not right with the Lord. Maybe you're watching us and thousands are online right now. Let me encourage you. Let the Holy Spirit be real to you right where you are. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer, all of us to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that right now? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus come, into my heart. come into my heart. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. 
I've made a mess of things. I haven't been faithful. I've not been obedient as I should be. But right now, I humble my heart. And I believe by faith, I am forgiven. Father God, take that which I complain about. Take that which has hurt me and put it in the past. And I leave it there by the authority of your word. So today, I am a new creature with a new mission. Mission, a mission, and a new purpose, a new purpose and a new determination, a new determination to, follow to follow after you for all my heart, all my heart is, given to you is given to you to bring honor to your name, to your name. In, Jesus in Jesus name amen amen isn't God good he's good if you prayed that prayer your stomach shouldn't be in knots your nerves shouldn't get to you. Your stress shouldn't mount up because of what God's already forgiven. You may say, but pastor, it is, and I just prayed. <laughs> Make your mind up. Speak to that in Jesus' name. God, I'll not let my stress from those things in my life take away my joy. I'll not yet let the memory of yesterday take away this moment God I'm trusting you but if you make an act or a commitment it becomes real out of obedience so if you desire here's what I recommend to you you say I'm going to take that literally in my heart figuratively speaking and literally speaking and put it on the altar and I'm going to in my mind symbolically say I took all that right down there and I laid it there. It's there no more. It's there no more in my heart and my spirit. And maybe you need to get right with Jesus. Maybe you just haven't served him. Maybe you've been hard-headed. And you know why you're here this morning. It's for this moment. Or you need healing in your body. James 5, 14. Is any sick? Come on down. Let him anoint you with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And we know it can happen. We're going to sing this song. We'll give the benediction in a moment. But we're going to wait on you, child of God, to come down and let the Holy Spirit touch you. Would you do that right now? 